0: We're now going to have another uh, time of interactivity where we're going to be reading our Bible together. So why don't you take out your Bible if you've brought it with you. Um, if you don't have it with you, it'll be up on the screen for you to read along. We're going to be reading from Deuteronomy chapter 29 is our first reading. This will be in the first half of your Bible. Why don't you flip to Deuteronomy chapter 29. beginning from verse 22. We're reading from the Christian Standard Bible, and if your Bible is different, then that's okay. You can continue to read along as well. Deuteronomy chapter 29, beginning from verse 22. Future generations of your children who follow you and the foreigner who comes from a distant country will see the plagues of that land and the sickness the Lord has inflicted on it. All its soil will be a burning waste of sulphur and salt, unsown, producing nothing, with no plant growing on it, just like the fall of Sodom and Gomorrah, Admar and Zeboim, which the Lord demolished in his fierce anger. All the nations will ask, Why has the Lord done this to this land? Why this intense outburst of anger? Then people will answer, It is because they abandoned the covenant of the Lord the God of their ancestors, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. They began to serve other gods, bowing in worship to gods they had not known, gods that the Lord had not permitted them to worship. Therefore the Lord's anger burned against this land and he brought every curse written in this book on it. The Lord uprooted them from their land in his anger, rage and intense wrath and threw them into another land where they are today. The hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever so that we may follow all the words of this law. And our second reading comes from the book of 1 Thessalonians. This is in the second half of your Bible towards the end. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'll give you a bit of time just to find that as well in your Bibles there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and we're going to be beginning from verse 12 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 12 Now we ask you brothers and sisters to give recognition to those who labor among you and lead you in the Lord and admonish you and to regard them very highly in love because of their work Be at peace among yourselves and we exhort you brothers and sisters warn those who are idle Comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the spirit, don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this letter be read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Well, good morning, every person. It's great to see
1: you all here this morning. Let's uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for all that you have done for us. We thank you that we can meet with each other like this in in the freedom that we have. And Father, we do pray as we now come to look at your word, that you would help us, help us to understand it, help us to trust it. And Father, we pray that you would help us to build our lives on it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on Friday, I went to the barber, as uh, some of you may have noticed. And. Um, I went in and I sat down and they said, so what do you want? What what can we do for you? And I said, you know what? It's time to just shave it all off. Just a number one all over, thanks. And he didn't move. He just looked at me in the mirror. And then he eventually said, are you sure this is what you want? (laughs) And I said, yeah. And again, he didn't really move. He just said, I could never do that. And I think what he meant was not that I couldn't never do that. I think he meant I would never do that. You know how you see people who eat glass or dirt and you say, I could never do that. But what you mean is I would never do that. He said, I could never do that. And then he asked me again, are you sure this is what you want? And I said, yeah, I mean, why not? And he said, I could never do that because my wife and my mum would kill me. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, that's fair enough. You know, when you want to make like a big choice like this, a big life change. (laughs) You know, you want to see what other people think and you want to take into consideration other people's thoughts and what other people want and get advice from other, you know, wise counsel before you, before you do things like that. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, we all want just to sometimes do things and make sure this, this is what other people think. This is what people want, especially those people who are important to us you know you might not care what everyone thinks but th- there may be some people that you you care what what they want and and what they think and for those of us who follow the lord jesus one of the opinions that we value would be god's opinion what does god think what does god want what what is jesus will for us is this god's will for my haircut some would say The results show clearly not. (laughs) And others would say... Yes. Yep, Pete. Pete gave me the the rounding approval. Yeah, others would say yes. Others would say, I agree with the first group. And so what I want to do here this morning is ask the question, what does the Bible say about finding God's will? Because sometimes we think about, we want to know what is God's will for my life? What is God's will for my specific circumstances? And sometimes we think about it like it is something we can either be inside of or outside of you can be inside God's will or you can be outside God's will. Sometimes we think about it like it's when you kind of Google maps and you find the way that you need to go and God's will says you should go left. But what if I accidentally turn right? Am I now outside of God's will? Is, his, is all the good things over this way and I have missed it, not found it? Do I need to discern it, discover it, uncover it? But is this how the Bible talks about it? This is what I want to ask. What does the Bible say about finding God's will? What makes talking about God's will a bit hard is that there's actually three ways, I think, that we talk about it. And you might not realise it, but I think there's three distinct ways that we would talk about God's will. And I hope when you hear them, you'll think to yourself, oh yeah, that makes sense. I think that's right. So here they are. Let me just show you them and then we'll talk about them. So first of all is God's will of decree and we'll put these on the screen behind so you can kind of keep them in your mind. His will of decree. And what I mean by that is everything happens according to God's will. Everything that happens. God is sovereign and in control of all things. He is the ruler of everything and everyone. Everything that happens is God's will. We'll come back to this in a minute, but that's his will of decree. Second is his, what I call his will of desire. This is what he wants you to do. You know, do not murder, do not lie. What he has revealed, this is what he wants from you. And perhaps more importantly than those things, do not murder, do not lie. The thing that he wants is that you would put your trust in Jesus as your king. That is his will for you. That's the second one. The third one is what I would call his will of direction. That is, what is the next thing in my life? What is his specific plan for what happens next in my specific life? What is his will in this Circumstance. What should I do? So I think they're the three main ways that we would talk about God's will. So what I want to do is talk about what they each mean, how they work, and what it all means for us and for you and for me in our plans for 2024. So first of all, let's talk briefly about God's decreed will. I'm not going to spend long on this, but... Uh, This is God's rule over everything. Everything and everyone, nothing happens that is outside God's decreed will. Both good things and bad things. All things. This is a big idea. And there's lots that we could say about this and lots that we could talk about this and it could easily derail the whole talk to focus on this. We've talked about this earlier, though. Back in 2022, when we were doing our Vital Signs sermon series, we talked about it then. So if you wanted to, you can find that on the internet, on the website where you get all your podcasts from, and you can listen to that sermon. But I do just want to acknowledge that this idea that God is in control of and sovereign over both the good things and the bad things, all the things, is a very challenging idea. And I think it's especially challenging for those of us who are struggling to trust that God is good when life is not. And I just want to say, you know, when I first put my trust in Jesus back when I was in year eight in high school, I, I was a pretty angry, pretty sad kid. Life wasn't terrible, but there were some particular low points. And so in year eight, I put my trust in Jesus and I start to read the Bible and I come across this idea that God is in control of all things. And I have to tell you, when I first read this, I hated it. And so I just would skim over those bits and keep on reading and find parts that I liked. And then the more that I read the Bible over the next sort of three or four years or so, I came to a point, lots of reading and lots of kind of thinking, I came to a point where I not just hated it, I didn't even just accept it, but I loved it. And I I think the idea that God is in control of all things is one of the greatest most comforting truths in the whole bible but i tell you that just to say that i know what it's like to kind of be on that journey and to be and to maybe be struggling with this idea and i just want you to know that's allowed you're allowed to think that you're allowed to hate it you're allowed to not think it's true you're allowed to be struggling it's a journey and and i just want you to know that's that's okay the point is We're all here wanting to look at what does the Bible actually say? That's the key thing. But the point here is that this is one way to talk about God's will. Everything that happens is part of God's decreed will. He he rules and he reigns over everything. That's the first one. But what about the second one? What about his will of desire? What is it that he wants from you? What, what has he commanded you? What is God's revealed will for your life? And the fact is, God talks about this one a lot in his word. One of the best places to see the big picture of it, I think, is from Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. Some of you may know these verses. Paul writes and says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That is, all things work towards a very specific goal. That is, that we would be conformed to the image of his son. In other words that you would, that I would, bit by bit, moment by moment, resemble Jesus more and more in the way that you act and the way that you think and the way that you react and the way that you feel, that, that your character would become Christ-like. That's how we talk about it here. One of our vital signs is Christ-like character, that who you are would start to reflect, resemble who he is that you would be more loving, more humble, more kind, more patient, more generous and all those, all those good things. That's God's revealed desire, will for you, that you would become more like Jesus. But can we be even more specific? Does God have more to say on what his revealed will of desire is for you? The answer is yes, we can be more specific. And we had a read out earlier, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, if you still have that open or you wanted to find it again in your own screen, it'll be on our screen. There's one sentence in particular that I wanted to zoom in on. There was a big... Um, reading, and there was lots of amazing verses in there, but I wanted to just zoom in on one specific sentence, three verses. One, Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. He says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is God's will for my life? If I just knew God's will, then I would do it. You ever said this to yourself? If, if, I, if God could just reveal to me what his will is, I would be committed to it and I would do everything I can to pursue it. You ever said that? Well, here's the great news. Here's his will for you. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's think about them. Rejoice always. Now, you might say, there's not much in my life at this exact moment that I can rejoice in. There are things that are happening that I don't love. There are things that are happening that I don't want. There are things that are not good and I can't rejoice in them. And there's I don't know everyone in this room and I don't know everything that's happening in your life, but there's no doubt that that's true. That probably for some of us, many of us, maybe even all of us, there are things in your life that are not good that you don't want and and that you don't love. So how could you rejoice even when lots about life is, garbage. And see, here's the thing. No matter what's happening in your life, God's will is that you rejoice. That's, you just have to come to terms with that. That's what it says. And the reason why is because you always have things to rejoice in. God is your father. Jesus has died on the cross for you your the penalty for your sins has been paid for he has demonstrated his love for you he's secured your eternity. you are forgiven your shame has been removed you have been brought into his family you belong to a church imperfect though it is. you can rejoice in God and in what he has done for you and the future that he has secured for you, no matter what else is happening in your life. He says, rejoice always. Then he says, pray constantly. Now, obviously, Paul is exaggerating a little bit. He doesn't mean literally pray constantly. Don't eat, don't sleep just pray constantly until you die from exhaustion and malnutrition. That's not what he means. He means that prayer should be a regular central feature of your life, not a last resort, not a box ticking exercise, but a genuine reflection of your relationship with God. And this looks different for different people. Some of us in this room are very organised, very ordered with lists and routines and set times. Others of us are a bit more chaotic and we pray as it comes and we pray small prayers throughout the day. Some of us are a mixture of both of those two things, different, we're different. The Bible doesn't tell us here is the one way that this must be done. It says, pray constantly, be you. And this year, 2024, one of the foci for our church is prayer. We want to help us all continue to grow more and more in our prayerfulness, grow more and more in our praying constantly. And we'll talk more about that in a in the next little while, but Just like rejoicing always, praying constantly can be a struggle for some of us and perhaps for some of us in certain seasons of life. And so if that's you, if if you struggle to pray or you're in a season of struggle, then I offer you a prayer that I sometimes pray when I'm in a season where I struggle, You can use it, you cannot use it, but I offer it to you. This is the prayer that I would sometimes pray. I would say, dear God, you know how busy my day is and you know how I can get overwhelmed and you know how I'm easily confused. So if I forget you, please do not forget me. Amen. So I give that to you, you could pray that prayer if you like. And then lastly though, he says, give thanks in everything, give thanks at all times, give thanks in every circumstance. And again, doesn't that sound hard? Notice though, he doesn't say give thanks for everything. Give thanks for every circumstance, because some things are not good, some Circumstances are not good and they're not fun and there's nothing to thank in them. What we need to do is to give thanks in everything. Give thanks in every circumstance. And that's different because in every circumstance, there are always things to be thankful for. Because so long as we are always receivers of mercy then we should always be givers of thanks and we've always received mercy and so there's always things to be thankful for. The rhythm of the Christian life is to look for, find, and then articulate things to be thankful for. It's a posture of the way that we just do our lives, thankfulness. And it turns out, It's extremely good for mental health to be constantly thankful. Isn't it a shock that doing things God's way is actually a good idea? Isn't that a surprise to anyone? And so as each day comes to an end and it's time to put the day into the grave, you bury the day in the coffin of thankfulness. That's the Christian rhythm. So it's a new year. And what if you are looking for, thinking about, what should I focus on this year? What what should my goals be? What should I aim for this year? Well, this verse has three things, three things that are God's express will for your life. For this year and for every year, rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. They would be three pretty good things to kind of go for this year if you were looking for things. And as a just as a bonus thought, if you've been thinking, you know, man, I would I'd love to memorize some of the Bible, but it's too hard or what should I memorise, I can't ever work it out, these verses would be a tremendous option because if you just memorised rejoice always, that's just two words by the way, you just memorised an entire verse of the Bible and then if, you could do just two more words, pray constantly. You've just memorised a second verse. That's two verses. You're on a roll. People say to me sometimes, I can't memorise verses. My brain doesn't work that way. I'm not smart enough for that. And that is clear, absolute rubbish, Even if you think you are the dumbest person in this room, you could do two words, I I don't doubt that. And then you might then kind of think, well, I'm on a bit of a roll and maybe you could have the energy and the effort to do the rest of verse 18 as well. And then you've memorized three verses of the Bible. And then if you were ever not sure, what God's will for your life was, it would be right there inside your brain whenever you needed it. God's will is not a mystery. God has already told us what his will for us is. It's not that he hasn't told us, it's just that it's just not the answer we were hoping for. Because I think what we generally want when we say we want to know God's will is we want to know God's specific will for my specific circumstance. What should I do? What job should I take? What course should I do? Where should I go to school? Which school should the kids go to? Who should I marry? Should I move closer to the grandkids? These are the questions that we want to to know. Which brings us then to the third will. We've thought about his will of decree. We've thought about his will of desire. This is his will of direction. What is his specific plan for what comes next in my life? Does God have a specific plan for your life and for what comes next? And, and how do I remain in it and not deviate from it? That's the question. And the answer is yes, God does have a specific plan for your life and a specific plan for what's happening next and for what you should do. If you'll marry, who you'll marry, where you'll live, what job you'll have, what haircut you'll get. God has a specific plan for your specific life. But here's the thing. Yes, he has a specific plan. No, he does not want or expect you to figure it out or to know what it is. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29, we had it read out earlier. The hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever, so that we may follow all the words of this law. God hasn't told us everything. God doesn't explain everything to us. He has revealed some things and what he has revealed belongs to us. It's it's yours, it's mine. But some things he hasn't revealed, he won't reveal. And so you don't know them and you won't know them. Should you take this job or that job? Don't know. Should you live in this house or that house? Don't know. God hasn't revealed that. The secret things belong to the Lord. There is a plan. Of course there is. But God hasn't told me what it is. God doesn't tell you what it is. Will number two, his will of desire, his revealed will, that's what he expects me to know and that's what he expects me to do. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything. Be kind, be loving, be patient, be generous, be Christ-like. That's his will for me. That's his will for you. He expects me to know it and he expects me to do it. But which job should I take? Should I work at Coles or should I work at Woolies? Should I work for Commonwealth Bank? Should I work for ANZ? He doesn't expect me to discover his will of direction. He doesn't expect me to know what the plan is. And most importantly, he does not expect, he's not disappointed or thwarted when I, quote unquote, pick the wrong thing. His will in these kind of things is not a tightrope that I need to make sure I keep on, otherwise I'll fall off into the crevasse. It's not not a bullseye that I need to make sure I'm always on the inside center, I need to hit it every time. That's not how his will works. It's not as though he's like, ah, you picked Woolies. If only you'd picked coals then I had all kinds of amazing things planned out for you and for the rest of your life, but but Woolies is outside of my will, and so you miss out on all that stuff. That's not the way that it works. The secret things belong to the Lord. He hasn't revealed it. He hasn't told us, and so we don't know. When it comes to number two, his will of desire, That's what he wants you to obey. You can be inside of that or you can be outside of that, right? Rejoice always. You can do that or you might not do that. It's up to you. You can be inside that or you can be outside that. But when it comes to number one or number three, his decree and his direction for your life, you can't be outside of it. You can't frustrate it, you can't thwart it, and, and you certainly can't ruin it. If, if you worry that you have blown God's plan for your life, then take comfort in this, you are not that powerful and you're not that important. You're not so powerful that God is like, I had this great plan for your life. I'm infinite, I'm in control of all things, but you just had to choose the Corolla, didn't you? If only you would chose the Holden, then it would have been great, but now everything's ruined. Congratulations. It's not the way that it works. When it comes to God's will, In one sense, we trust God's will as his sovereign plan for the future. And in another sense, we obey his will as he's revealed it to us in his word, as we trust what he says. But in no sense are we to try and discover some hidden secret Google Maps will of God that we need to follow. So what is God's will for you this year? Well, he's revealed his will in his word. His will for you is that you would trust in Jesus, not trust in yourself. His will for you is that you would become like Jesus, that your character would become Christ-like, that you would be loving and patient and kind and generous, and as we've seen specifically, that you would be joyful and prayerful and thankful. That's his will for you. And in terms of all the other stuff, what job, what school, what course, what house, what car, what relationship, what ministry will you be involved in this year? What about his will for all that stuff? Well, his will is that you would be Christ-like, that you would use your brain, that's why he gave it to you, that you would think about it and that you would use wisdom and that you would listen to wise advice from others and then you would trust God, make a choice and do something. When it comes to the three uses of God's will, if you are confident in the first one, then you can be committed to the second one and you can be comparatively careless about the third one. That's God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and that you have revealed to us your will, what it is you want for us and from us and Father we ask that you would help us as we think about all the other things that we need to do that feel so important and sometimes they are that you would help us in all those other choices that you haven't revealed your will that you would help us give us wisdom help us to make a choice help us to do something and Father we know and we trust that in all those things you are at work and your will is rolling out, even though you haven't told us what it is. We pray and ask that you would help us to trust you and to trust your word. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen.